Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. This podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care. This is Expert Insights. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Improving the way opioids are prescribed through clinical practice guidelines can ensure the patients have access to safer, more effective chronic pain treatment while reducing the number of people who misuse or abuse or overdose from these drugs. My guest is Dr. Robert Good. He's the Chief Medical Officer of Carl Medical Management and Health Alliance Medical Plan. Dr. Good, what's been the parameters or guidelines for the prescription of opioids in the past, and what's different now? How has it changed? Well, I think the problem started uh, multiple years ago when the U.S. government, uh, in, in conjunction with the VA system, decided that people shouldn't have pain at all. And through that process, started propagating the thought that uh, we ought to be pain-free. Uh, and uh, we even started what we call the fifth vital sign. Uh, and the expectation was to achieve zero pain. Uh, that really resulted in a mess. And that mess was, a, was associated with increased addiction and people still with chronic pain. How are you looking at it different now, Doc? Well, I think that, one, we, we got messed up with the goal. And uh, once a person has a chronic condition, the expectation isn't so much about re relieving all of pain. It's about maximizing normal function. Let's get people back to their normal activities uh, and improve their own ability to self-manage their discomfort. Uh, we, yeah, we want to reduce uh, subjectively, we want, to, we want to reduce the pain intensity, but we want folks to be able to be functional um, and be able to get back to their work, their jobs, etc. So at this point, what's involved in opioid selection, dosage, duration, follow-up, or discontinuation? I mean, how are you assessing the risk or addressing the harms of opioid, opioid use with certain patients? Well, I think that a couple of things are important that we uh, follow. One, there needs to be a specific diagnosis. Uh, oftentimes, people have been placed on narcotics and there hasn't been a very specific workup as to the, the nature and the type of their pain, uh, a real true assessment of their functional status. You know, how's a person cope with their situation in their life? What are the other factors that are surrounding that pain, whether it's social or historical or psychological? Uh, it's just really truly analyzing uh, the person as a whole and trying to understand what's the cause of the pain so it can be more focused in its treatment. Uh, I, I think that there's been a lot of work done about, well, how much is too much? Uh, what should be our limits? And so the CDC, about two years ago, came out with a very nice 54-page paper uh, with guidelines wrapped around it about, you know, what do we do in the treatment of chronic pain? And what they basically found was when, when morphine milligram equivalents get greater than 90 milligrams, there's really no benefit to the patient. And, and so alternative means of treating pain 
need to be uh, discussed and, and worked with the patient. What best practices are you employing, and how do you evaluate the impact of these programs on outcomes? What strategies are you employing? Well, one, when a person has chronic discomfort, one is getting a true diagnosis. That's, that's extremely important. That is the best practice standard. Two is that when, if they are already on a narcotic, uh, to understand what their morphine equivalents are. So, for instance, uh, we sometimes don't realize the, the strength of, of fentanyl or hydrocodone. Uh, let's just say a 50-year-old male that's been placed on a fentanyl patch of 50 micrograms. That's equivalent to 120 milligrams of morphine. Uh, hydrocodone, maybe they're taking it four times a day or even three times a day, uh, 30 milligrams. Well, no, that's 90. That's a one-to-one ratio to morphine. So that's 210 milligrams of morphine per day equivalents. That's, all, that's two over two times what the CDC recommends. And sometimes we just don't appreciate uh, the strength of some of these products. Uh, there's multiple calculators out there uh, to help physicians do that. I think the other thing is making sure that when a person is on a chronic opioid or has some need for that, and we, we try to minimize that need, that they understand uh, the risk that they're taking with their own lives. Uh, so a an agreement between the, the physician and the patient should be developed. It's a two-way agreement, but it's really about informed consent for products that decrease life expectancy. So chronic opioid therapy decreases one's life. Uh, and so they need to understand that this product is something that is not uh, lifelong beneficial to them. Uh, and if they're going to be involved with it, there needs to be a very prescribed monitoring technique. And that's also outlined in these types of of agreements. So while you were talking about the current and projected, the morphine equivalents, do you think yes, that ma'am. patient perception of pain management, and you mentioned this in the beginning of the segment as well, plays a role in this patient understanding of what it is they're doing to their own bodies by accepting this type of pain management? Correct. So it, one is that one can become dependent upon doses of uh, opioids to the point of addiction uh, in which judgment may be impaired. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen within the brain and the receptors uh, for pain management that uh, start to not really benefit the patient over time. Uh, and I think that there, there needs to be an attempt at understanding that and alternatives to help control the discomfort so they can become more functional. So whether that's therapy or whether that's uh, specific injection therapy into, say, a low back or a joint, or whether that's the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in a more aggressive way, uh, whether that might be acupuncture or other types of pain treatment, we need to consider all of that to help the patient reduce their dependence on opioids. Really so important, everything that you're saying. Where do you see this going in the next 10 years? There's so much written about it in the media, but we hear about it as this addiction epidemic, but we don't necessarily hear about it from the best practice point of view of clinicians and this stewardship. So where do you see it going? Well, I think uh, over time, physicians are not as likely to start somebody 
uh, on opioids over a long period of time. Studies show that after about three weeks of in a post-operative setting, after about three weeks of narcotic use, you've kind of maximized what a opioid will do as far as pain relief. So the surgeons and physicians are becoming much more sensitive uh, to utilizing alternatives uh, to stay away from higher doses narcotics. Over time, I believe that will result in fewer people being uh, kind of sensitized to the opioids and being on higher doses that uh, that they really are having a hard time controlling. There's also a variety of me- mechanisms to slowly reduce uh, uh, use of opioids, and so those have been documented, and we can provide that information for the patient uh, and for the physician that's pre- prescribing them. Uh, I think physicians need to be just really aware that chronic use of opioids decreases life expectancy. Uh, when we start opioids, we need to be looking at the red flags, the, the, the items that are likely that somebody may overdose. And as you are aware, uh, the number of people who die every day in America has, is significantly increased to the point where it's starting to affect our overall uh, average life expectancy in our nation. So people with a history of substance abuse or if they've opi- had opioid overdoses in the past or if they're on high doses or if they're combining sedatives like Valium or Xanax with uh, narcotics uh, or if they just keep escalating the amount of narcotics they're taking and they're not really getting any pain relief. Those are all red flags that we should be very cautious in prescribing uh, opioids to that type of patient and looking for alternatives. Is there a standardized set of questions, things that, you know, physicians should be looking? As you mentioned, those red flags, Dr. Good, are there something that is pretty well nationwide set out by the CDC so that people can determine that risk? Yeah, I mean, I think that the CDC uh, reviews that uh, uh, in their their paper, but I think it's good medical care that obtains a complete history. of uh, for every everybody that has any serious uh, conditions that there's a full understanding of what their past medical history has been and looking at the physical exam does the physical exam is it consistent with what you're seeing in the function of the patient uh, so you know there's there's always what the patient tells you it's your observation of what the patient's doing and there's also the function that the patient uh, is able to undergo and does that all match uh, in your assessment. Uh, We ought to be doing drug screening, uh, urinary drug screening in folks who are on chronic opioids because oftentimes they may be combining illegal substances uh, with substances that we prescribe, and that makes that extremely dangerous. Um, People also ought to be looking at our state registry uh, from the Illinois or the Indiana registry, uh, pharmacy registry. So we know, are there other prescribers for the same medications that you are prescribing? So those are things you can do to kind of be cautious and safe uh, with the patient. But at the end of the day, all of that is to protect the patient. And it's uh, those types of standards uh, is really the best practice standard uh, around opioid therapy. 
Good points all. Dr. Good, thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to Expert Insights with Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers or to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit carlconnect.com. That's carlconnect.com. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.